Hello. Welcome. We are the three intern ministers at Community Church of New York in Manhattan. We three interns are Unitarian Universalists in the process of becoming ordained clergy. In this podcast, we delve into the life of an intern minister. We explore the ways our lives and internships intersect and how this is ministerial formation. I'm Megan Henry. I'm Anthony Cruz. I'm Carrie McAvoy. And we're... Ready now! Hey, Anthony. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Megan. Hey, Anthony. Hey, everyone. It's great to see all of you. How are y'all doing? Doing well. Excited for this first episode of our media ministry. Yeah, I'm really excited to welcome our listeners and viewers to this, our our first episode. And we're just... um, really excited about this co-created project between all three of us. Yeah, I I don't know about all of you, but I am just so excited about the survey that we put out, gathering information in terms of what are the needs out there in our different communities about what does it mean to discern a call to ministry? Um, What does it mean to identify one's call? And how do we go about all this? Yeah, that's right. Like, what is it? What is this whole being in seminary thing anyway? (laughs) And what is this ministerial formation thing anyway? Yeah, what is this internship thing too? (laughs) I'm also super, um, you know, like a little bit nervous, but also super excited about the fact that um, after we do some of these episodes and shows, we're looking forward to having a live event where we can welcome all of our um, awesome viewers and listeners to interact with us real time. Yeah, we're really trying to create a media ministry, which is so important during these times, right? Where we're not even meeting in person and just reimagining what ministry looks like in the 21st century. Yeah, totally. All right, well, what do you think? Shall we get to it? Yes. Yes. So looking at the survey, which was awesome, we got 70 responses, which is really exciting that there's so much interest in in ministerial internships and ministerial formation. I was pretty surprised actually. That's a great that's that's great return for a survey. <laughs> and there were a lot of people who wanted to know why we decided to become ministers. So I was wondering if we could start by talking about call the ministry or call stories or what is it what is it like to, what's the process of deciding to be a minister as opposed to just a congregant, a lay leader or, or things like that? Yeah, I know that when I was discerning or even deciding, I mean, clearly there were not a lot of people talking about this. So I think definitely engaging this topic based on the survey of 
exploring the ways that our lives, um, potential internships, theological school and ministerial formation and how all of them fuse together in our human experience um, and engaging in it, right? And the diversity that it entails, I think it's just um, what probably we're gonna be doing in the next few minutes here. Yeah, so when I, um, what, sometimes when people ask me like, what is like, do I have a call story or something like that? I, um, I, I'm always curious to know what does that mean to someone else, right? Like, what is a call? What is a call to ministry? Um, what, you know, there's, there's obviously like that language is there for a reason, right? Like you hear a call, um, maybe you hear a call from God. Um, maybe you, one might hear a call from one's community or from uh, within oneself. And I think these are all like really interesting ways of thinking about what does it mean to be called to ministry. Thank you so much, Megan, for just framing it in that way. I find that in my own um, process, I had some of those same um, questions, particularly how does one pay attention to our own needs, abilities, and talents? Um, listen or hear what are some of the needs of the environment where we are in, let's say community, right? And at the same time, the needs within our society. I, I think those three layers, right, really define what is that call to service really look like and how can we begin to create a pathway for that to happen? And is it seen more in, in a traditional way, right? So like discernment, going to theology formation and then some form of embodied ministry or is it more on the creative side, right? And, and those both ways and those calls are valid, right? I, 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 I don't know, I'm really excited to hear from, from both of you, but I think that nobody should hold the monopoly, for example, on what a call looks like, right? Or what call is the right call or the right pathway, but more about how do we creatively engage. And I think that even the global pandemic has really, um, at least in my own experience, helped me to envision um, what does a call within the cyber world with technology and physical social distancing look like? Yeah, particularly in Unitarian Universalism, which is, I mean, we don't have a creed and um, some of us don't even believe in God. So what is a call in that context? And what does ministry look like? Like, what are we being called to? Um, just so many nuances that are different than, um, what many of us might think of the typical call story where we have a dream where God tells us, you will be a minister. Um, it's just doesn't, uh, doesn't always happen that way. I really liked Anthony, what you were saying about um, the, like the internal and then your community and then out in the world, in the larger world. And think having that kind of a framework is really, um, is, is really interesting and, and helpful uh, in thinking about it. I like 
to think about it. And so many, all, all of a sudden my brain started like picturing different circles, you know, and there's like the circles that go out like ripples on a, on the, a pond, but then there's also like circles and maybe the Venn diagram of like, where did these circles overlay and where is that point that where they all um, intersect? That's really interesting. Um, I also thought um, when you were talking, Carrie, I was thinking about how um, I'm going to need to be careful in this conversation about calls. Um, hello, Kitty. <laughs> you have to be careful uh, not to just define my call as what it is not, right? Like it's, it was not, I do not feel called to preach a lot. <laughs> I mean, I like preaching and it's fine and it's good, but it's not like the number one thing that I feel called to do. Um, I really feel called to like be creating and co-creating and holding spaces where people uh, in faith community may have an opportunity to experience things that um, are transformational in their lives. Thank you, Megan. I think that actually for me, um, everything just really started in terms of having curiosity around coming into particular, in my case, religious spaces, right? And really having questions around like, how did religion start? Um, why do we practice or believe or say particular things in particular times? in particular moments, right? Because we understand that not everything came up out of a vacuum, but that everything's really connected and has an, a beginning, middle, and maybe an end, right? And so for me, like that was my initial journey towards really wanting to explore that, explore that more deeply. And, and for example, took me to study anthropology um, and specializing in religion and really understanding how do we as humans create symbols, create um, not just symbols, but also, um, I'm, I'm coming at a blank because I'm just extremely excited about this, um, but symbols, meanings, and imagery, right? To really help us and guide us in, in the ways that we are engaging in these processes. And when you said symbols, I automatically went in my head to, and rituals, you know, the ways that symbols and rituals can, uh, the, the way that they work together, the way they uh, reinforce one another um, in our religious lives is really interesting to study also. And, and I like that in uh, the study of religion, um, which, you know, as seminarians, we do that studying of religion as well as like the practicing of our faith. Um, but yeah, the, the ways in which one can study religion through so many lenses, there's an anthropology, anthropological lens, there's a historical lens, there's um, social context, um, just psychological, philosophical, like just so many um, ways of accessing uh, religion and studying religion. It's super fascinating. Yeah, there's so many ways uh, we as humans try to make sense of the world, whether it's through reading sacred texts or 
um, praying or ritual or um, symbolism. It's all, it's all different ways of trying to make sense of what the world is and our place in it. Yeah, I know, Carrie, I, I just want to return a little bit back to something you mentioned earlier about what happens if you sense a pull towards service, right? And we can call that um, the call. Um, and maybe you don't have a theistic framework, meaning that you don't have a defined notion of a deity or a particular conception of God. Right? And maybe the person is a humanist, free thinker, agnostic, or anything in between, right? Does that invalidate one's own call to service? And I am just reminded, for example, of at least the traditional notion of religion, which means religare, coming from the Latin, right? Which means to bind together, which means to connect. And I think that at the core, we're all really trying to connect in our human experience. And out of that human experience, we then pay attention to the ethnic, cultural, social dimensions, right? And then that begins to color how our ministries or call or even where we end up serving. Um, I mean, I, I guess I'll share just a bit, just to frame a little bit um, on the theme of the call. Um, so, talking about context, which is really important to inform where one is speaking or even engaging from. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, which is a territory of the United States. And there at least 90% of the population historically was Roman Catholic. Now it's gone down and it's around 70% Christian, right, between Roman Catholic and Protestant. And so, when we talk about what does a call look like, um, what does even vocation or ministry um, seem to be, for me, those, those imageries, those images and those forms are really defined by a Christian framework. However, again, it was through my curiosity and anthropological studies that I just began to engage, for example, in the reformed Jewish community in Puerto Rico, um, that led me to embrace a more humanistic outlook of the world and religion and society and really helped me zoom in on just for example, the needs that communities have um, in terms of who might have the energy and maybe even the approval of the community or the group um, in terms of putting your energy, putting um, your life right, um, in a way in the line of wanting to enter into this endeavor, which takes five, seven, eight, ten years, depending on the particular tradition or no tradition. Um, I mean, for me, it's taken, well, let me say this, I started very young to have this, this sense of call. And so I want to say that at least it's taken like 10 years. Um, for it to have a more materialized form um, to where we are all now doing an internship at Community Church of New York, right? And we're almost concluding our first year here. Um, and now I can say, well, um, in a more structured dimension, 
this is what my call has been, really paying attention to the religious plurality that exists, for example, within Unitarian Universalism. And for example, um, what does it look like in non-theist humanist spaces as well, which is a demographic within Unitarian Universalism and in other spaces as well, right? And how do we build those bridges? Um, and also centering people with marginalized identities has been a really strong um, identifier for me because also it is part of my own identities, right? So for me, if I, if I needed to um, put an outline to it, I think clearly paying attention to one's own roots, the needs of community or society, and then how does it begin to take form one once one begins to do the professional formation, may that be pursuing um, a graduate degree or a more traditional ministerial track of going to theology, divinity, or seminary. Um, and then seeing how then all that comes together, right? And then flows and flourishes into either parish ministry, congregational ministry, or as we find in, in the Unitarian Universalist tradition, community ministry, which allows a more fluid way of embodying one's own particular pool towards service. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of um, when my late husband decided to go into ministry, he described it as a groundswell. It's like he, he didn't know that his life was going there, but all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is what my whole life has been preparing for. And um, so this was in his late forties that he heard the call and he hadn't finished his bachelor's degree. So he had to figure that out and um, finally went to seminary, meet the Lombard. And so um, I was just really happy to support him as a minister's wife. And um, so he kept going there. And then it was like four years ago, I took Beloved Conversations, this really great um, experiential anti-racism program that's, that's put out by Meadville Lombard Theological School. And um, I was in my late 40s at that point. And that was really my first glimpse at how at the strategic or the systemic extent of racism in our country. And um, that was kind of the beginning of my call. Like how could I make it to this late age and not really see this, this huge thing that, that uh, is present in our society? Like why did it take that long for the veil to drop for me? And so I, I wanted to start doing what I could so that others um, would see the extent of it. And, um, but then I, I just, I was just going to be a lay leader. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to do seminary, it changed my whole life. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my, um, I thought about becoming a minister, but it just didn't make sense because William was going towards it and didn't make financial sense because let's face it, seminary is really expensive and ministry is not necessarily uh, it can be difficult financially. So um, I just thought I would figure out what to do later, leader wise, and hopefully that would scratch the ministerial itch. And then um, my husband had a uh, mild heart attack. 
And uh, this was the day after he finished his chaplain residency. Like he woke up the next morning and he's like, Carrie, call 911. So luckily it was just a small one. And uh, got through that. And um, at that some point after that, I kind of told myself if he dies, I might have to become a minister. And then uh, six months after that, he showed up for at Miva Lombard for classes and he had a massive heart attack and died. And um, so I uh, gradually remembered what I heard myself saying, uh, but I told myself that I wasn't gonna do anything for a year because that's kind of a big change to lose one spouse. And um, then I, um, it was probably about three months after William passed and my minister's wife took me out to dinner and she basically said, Carrie, um, I think there's a minister in you. And um, I had been pushing it away, like it's, it's just too soon. And so I told her, you know, maybe, maybe in a year. And she said, why wait? And um, so I, uh, I had no good answer. <laughs> and ministerial formation is so much a part of just ripping your, your body open and seeing what's inside. It's like reef, I feel like it's just reforming all, all the parts. And I'd kind of seen that in my husband. Like, it's just, you got to know a whole lot about yourself. You got to learn what your theology is. You got to learn your emotional landscape. You got to learn your tics and, and all of that uh, to be a really um, effective minister. It's the whole self-determination kind of thing. And um, so, you know, the grief had already opened me wide open. So I figured, all right just uh, put that ministry formation stuff in as the healing. You know, it's kind of in the fibers of my being. And so that's, that was like three years ago. And I can't tell what grieving and ministerial formation, what, what is what. It's just become this new way of being in the world. And I think that's one of the weirdest things about ministerial formation. Like I see myself acting differently, not because of the classes I take, but just because I've decided to be a minister. You know, I, I, that switch was flipped in my head and all of a sudden I'm like acting different. <laughs> it's kind of weird. So yeah, so mine was kind of more of a typical call story, but it didn't come from God. It was just uh, it was like a shove out the door. It was like, I can't not do it. I just, there was no option not to do it. It was, I had to do it. Wow. Thank you so much, Carrie, for just providing such a rich um, and touching words about your, your call. And, and as I'm listening to you and maybe we're becoming to begin to close, I think that at least three points for me, um, as I reflect with all of you here, I think that paying attention to our journey, right? Where, where, where were we? Where are we going? And the opportunities that life provides for us. And at the same time, the people that then began to show up in our lives that began to point us in particular directions and just launching ourselves, right? Just 
just allowing ourselves to experience that, right? I think that's a, if I heard you correctly, I think that that's the big takeaway is just giving yourself permission to experience those opportunities in a more open and just formative opportunities, which can be found at a seminary, divinity school, theology, or just maybe by even volunteering in, in our congregations or communities and just listening to, to what that next invitation is. Carrie, I wanted to say thank you for sharing your story. And I also wanted to share that when I was listening to you, I, I heard the universe moving in your life and calling you. The divine was in, in whatever way one might define the divine God. Um, I, I, I felt like I heard that force moving in your life and, and calling to you. And um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for sharing your call story. It's really, really powerful and um, really beautiful and special thing that you um, can share that with us. So thank you. I also want to take the time to thank once again, our audience and our listeners for allowing this co-created media ministry to take its launch today. We would love to hear from all of you um, one of my colleagues is just going to close us off and mention the email so that any of you can just put in questions, concerns, um, or maybe even quandaries that you would love for us to bring um, into conversation in our, in our next um, podcast. Um, with that said, I'll provide the email. is podcast at ccny.org. Please utilize that email and let us be in conversation. We want to hear from you. This is a community conversation. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Mm -hmm.